thank you so much for downloading the podcast again this week. I'm Deanna Fletcher. If you haven't already, please do head online to hideofheart.org. We've uh, launched a new website with articles and other fun stuff that you can enjoy. And make sure you connect with us on Instagram if you haven't already and stay up to date with everything that's going on. Now at 32, my guest today is still establishing herself as a recording artist. Casey J has a debut album under her belt, a stellar award win and Dove Award nominations as well. This young artist is well on her way to becoming a voice to her generation. The brand new album, The Gathering, is live praise and worship at its finest, filled with spontaneous moments that are sure to draw you in. It's out now. So without further ado, let's get to know Casey J. Firstly, can I just say, it's so nice to meet you. I've heard a lot about you, but it's really nice to be chatting with you for the first time, to be honest. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to meet you as well. Tell us a little bit about yourself, because you are releasing your second album, but I think we're still getting to know you as an artist. What can you tell us about yourself in your own words, and what do you really feel we most need to know about you? I think I think at the heart of what I am is that I'm a storyteller. And that has allowed me to have sort of a a multiplicity of uh, ways to express that through songwriting and through um, content writing and podcast and devotional writing. Um, and the amazing thing is that I'm not just a storyteller, I'm a Christian storyteller. So the story's already been written out. It's already really clear. Um, and it's that God is good. And so I'm able to share that story all the time in so many ways with so many people. Um, and that's really what my heart is. When in whatever way God makes provision for me to share his story, I'm able to share it with clarity, with his vision. How did your early life, I mean, you grew up in a faith-filled household. How do you feel that it affected your journey as an artist? Was it always your dream, perhaps, to lead people in worship? You know what? It really wasn't. I hate, I feel like I should have a more like, yes, I was dreaming about being a gospel artist when I was six <laughs> years old. I wasn't. I've been in the local church my entire life. Um, so I've always sang. My mom's a choir director. So the option of singing really wasn't there. You were going to sing. Um, and my career, my educational career is actually in the field of education. So my degree is in early childhood education. I taught first grade for almost 10 years. Um, and and so I was really comfortable with that. My transition into the gospel industry or the music industry at large was really spirit led. Um, and so I do it out of obedience, not out of a pursuit of a particular platform. I love that, though, because, you know, I'm a church kid myself and often it's the ones who really want the platform that you kind of need to watch out for. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I'm thankful for that, though. Like, I'm thankful that like I can say, like, God did this. Yeah. It wasn't the pursuit of my heart. I think when we hear about that scripture that God will give us the desires of our heart, what we don't realize is that God will give our hearts desires, which yeah. which is a different thing. God will make what he desires for you to make that the desire of your heart, and then he'll provide that for you. And so God changed the desire of my heart that he can give himself to me. I love that. I mean, how did it all come about? What I mean, you said you were a, an elementary or a primary school mm -hmm. teacher for 10 years. So how did you then become a recording artist and what changed? Yeah, so I've, I've always served um, in some type of capacity in music ministry. Um, I 
was a worship leader for a long time. I've become a worship pastor. And so honestly, it was an extension of that. My actual church that I was serving in at the time um, had some, just some connections with the music industry. And so we recorded one song that came from a worship conference that I led at my local church. Um, We had sung the song, Fill Me Up, and my church really caught a hold of it. And it became a, a big anthem inside of our local church. And we decided just to record that one song. And from that one song, God moved. Um, and found partnerships with labels and all of these things. And God began to breathe on that one song. And from that came the album and everything else. It's interesting because some people would say that recording worship music is a ministry that should be, under some uh, opinion, done under the auspices of a local church or as part of a worship team, not something that is supposed to be a career or an individual endeavour. Mm-hmm. Interestingly for you, that is exactly where you started and all this recording albums and working with labels and, and being a solo artist, uh, as it were, has very much been birthed out of the local church. So what yeah. do you say to all of that and how do you maintain that relationship with a local church? church with all the touring and everything else. Absolutely. And and I understand that train of thought. And so for me, I I think people don't realize I've served in a church, um, not on staff for goodness, 27 years before I ever (laughs) came on staff in any capacity. Um, And so I definitely understand that. And to be honest, it was much of a struggle for me to be like, hey, God, this thing that I do for you for free, you're now providing money for it. And this seems weird and it seems disingenuous and all of those things. So I definitely understand that train of thought. And I think what God has really brought clarity to me is that he provides resources for me to do what he's called me to do. And so now I have the latitude with my time to be able to talk to you right now about God's goodness and share it with other people. And I I don't have to worry about, man, I got to get off because I got to go to work and I got to go sit at a desk or all of those things. God has really created freedom of time for me to be able to bring his name glory. And so I think we have to honor those people that God has entrusted his time with their time (laughs) to be able to share what it is that this is a 24 seven job for me. And it seems kind of funny and silly and being on Instagram and all of those things, but all of that is the discipleship and it may be modern day discipleship and it may seem kind of odd, but I think that God has graced some of us to do that. And so, I mean, I rest in that truth. I I understand people's um, thoughts about it because I've had some of those myself. So I allow them grace to sort of maybe grow out of those thoughts or evolve them in the way that the spirit leads. Yeah. And I think it sounds like you really have a strong idea of who you are and what you're about and what God has um, graced you for, which is the most yeah. important thing, regardless of what anybody thinks. Yeah. I am interested, though, what was your church's reaction to you landing a record deal and putting out yeah. your first album? Like, were they involved in the journey with you? They, so they very much were. So I'm actually not at the same church that I was at when I started. Uh, released my first record. But when I did release that record, I mean, we recorded it at my home church. All the voices that you hear worshiping is is a lot of my church family. And so they very much embraced that. And now I'm thankful that I'm at a, kind of in a unique position that my church now that I attend and where I serve, they, I mean this in the most beautiful way, they have not a care about my artistry in the world. Like, it doesn't matter to them that I'm KCJ, I'm Casey, and these are my pastors, and they they correct me, they call me, they they guide me, and, you know, if they want KCJ to come to their church, they they make facilitations for that, but it's not, it's that's not the at the forefront of my relationship with them, because at the heart of what I've done, and people ask me all the time, like, how do you get to do this, and how do you get to do that? I've served my way here. 
Um, and so if I stop serving because I've gotten to a particular platform, I've lost the journey that I've taken to get to the place that God has called me to. So just because you have a different platform does not mean that I stop serving. So I still serve in my church. I'm not on staff there. Um, I'm just there whenever they need me and however they need me to do. That's so encouraging, though, that you are able to fulfill what God has put on your life, but you also have that personal support from a local yeah. church as you go out and about. And um, it's very hard to do things on your own, ministry or not. Absolutely. And I, I have learned that over the past couple of years, how much we need community and that that's the heartbeat of God. He's, he chose to reveal himself to us in community as a father and the son and the Holy Spirit. And so we take that same model when we're able to do his work. Yeah. Well, speaking of things that you've learned, uh, mm-hmm. the debut album did rather well. You've picked up awards and nominations and, uh, and and all this good stuff. What do you think that you've learned um, through what you've done to date, whether it's been serving or releasing your debut album, uh, that you're now applying to your second release, The Gathering? What have you learned that you're applying now? Yeah, I think, man, and even when you say that, I get so like uncomfortable and awkward when people start talking about awards. I thought and, that because you said nothing. There's silence on the other stuff. end, and I thought she doesn't like it. <laughs> but it is an honor. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, and I think the reason is it's really easy to get caught up in that, right? And so once we sort of get an award or we get some type of notoriety, then we start taking ownership of what God is doing. And so for me, the lesson has been that I am a really small part in the large, amazing, humongous, sometimes inarticulable work that God is doing here on the earth. And so it's like simultaneously as I'm finding out how big God is, I'm also finding out how small I am. And yeah, a song is great. And it's great that they sing my song in places that I'll never set foot in. But what's even greater is that God's work is being done in the earth and that he's entrusted me to be a part of it. Yeah. And so I think that reality has really settled my heart. Um, it settles my nerves when people start talking about awards and I start sweating in my armpits and stuff like that. It settles my heart. Like I'm a small piece in the big work that God is doing. And this is not something that's of my own accord or because I'm so perfect or I can sing so well. It's God in his sovereignty and in his graciousness has allowed me to partner with him in that. So what do you think that you've learned then from your debut that you're now applying to your second album, The Gathering? And also, I wonder, why go for a live album for your second record? Because sometimes, well, I think a lot of the time people might just go back into the studio, but instead you've decided to gather people to get together and do something live and spontaneous. Yeah, I mean, I've learned that I'm a piece of a really big story, right? And so my piece right now is to talk about the fact that Acts 4.31 says that after they had prayed, the place where they were gathered together became shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they walked away speaking the word of God with boldness. And I think sometimes we think those gatherings are exclusive to Sunday mornings, like at 9 a.m. and that that's where God is. And what I've found is that God is every place that we choose to gather and recognize his presence. So for the second recording, Um, Instead of doing, and my first recording was live as well, but instead of even doing a live recording at a church, I took about 50 friends to a farm outside of my home city and we recorded everything outside. And the crazy thing was that God was just as present on a farm with horses and llamas and hogs surrounding us as he is in a mega church. And I think that story is something that we need to be articulating outside of the walls of the church, that he's not just for Sunday, he's not just for the elite, that he is for those people who are hungry for him. 
Yes, I think that's what I meant to suggest. It felt like with this new record, it's a, it's a lot less pre-planned or it's less... A pre- lot less pre-planned is a great way. <laughs> yeah, and less produced in that way. You know what I mean? You, it's, I mean, yeah. spontaneity, that just also... When you sign to a label, it's not like you're an independent artist and you can sort of... And even if you were, you'd be putting your own money down. So there can be pressure of, is this actually this one day, this money that we're spending, is it going to work or is it going to be a failure? Is that the sort of thing that when you go out to create a record like The Gathering, which is full of spontaneity and just God moving and you've captured it, do you feel any pressure or do you just think God will do what God wants to do and it's all good? You know what? I think this idea of pressure, honestly, is rooted in what I call the spirit of poverty. So it's this idea that God can't do in his greatness the same thing that we've seen him do before. So we hang on to the last success that we've seen for fear that it'll never happen again. And so I'm thankful that God has affirmed me that he has breathed his breath onto what it is I'm doing. So I get to simultaneously be a participator in what God is doing and a spectator to see how he's doing it. Um, And I think the same thing is true with this record, The Gathering. Like I got to be a part of it. I was there for The Gathering that we did live. But then I get to sit back and watch God move through the songs that he's inspired us to write. And speaking of pressure, um, you know, the more that your profile does grow, whether it's online or whether it's through awards or album sales and touring and, you know, just the general, you know, people getting to know you more, embracing you more, I think, as an artist, mm-hmm. the more they get to know you, the more they, they worship together with you, whether it's through a record or live in person. It can be hard for women in the limelight to think about mm-hmm. pressure on how you look and uh, I guess it's mainly how you look or am I enough? Do you feel any of that kind of pressure or if you have, how have you responded to it? I think it's hard because in, in what we do, what we do is absolutely divine and it's special and it's it's God-inspired, but we are wrapped inside of humanity. Um, and my humanity happens to be a Black girl. <laughs> and so, of course, it's like, oh, how's my makeup? And how's this? And how's that? And and then, I mean, we deal with the, the regular pressures of society with this sort of curated um, visions that we see and this sort of curated content that we're completely inundated by. And so, for me, um, I make it a point to sort of make sure that I am mindful of all the things that I digest. Um, I make it a point to um, share with God whatever my concerns are so that I don't suffer from the spirit of comparison. Um, And I think that that's not something that's unique to someone who's an artist. That's just sometimes a part of being a girl, like knowing that, yo, God, you made me exactly how you wanted me to be made. And it's my job to maintain that and to sort of have stewardship of my body and my mind and my spirit. But the unique feature of who I am are all your design. And I think that I have to continue to remind myself of that or just like anybody else, man, all the pressure of being perfect or looking perfect will kind of sweep us away. Absolutely. Uh, Well, one of the things I'd really like to draw out of our conversation today is your journey in stepping out as a musician. You mentioned earlier that you were employed as a full-time primary school teacher for 10 years. You've since left your employment and you're now earning a living through art and music and worship. What's that journey been like for you stepping out in this way? Because I think it can be rather scary when you step out for the first time. It's a huge change. Will I have enough Am I enough to make it? All those thoughts. How have you dealt with that? You know what? I think um, a part of the story that I don't share all the time is that three years before I even recorded the first single, before I recorded Fill Me Up, I was just in my classroom and I felt the Spirit of God say, I want to do something special with you, but I need you to tell me yes now. And it was like, 
I mean, what special thing do you want to do here in this classroom? Like, I enjoy my job. I'm having a great time. And it was the first time I'd ever made a huge faith leap. So literally after that encounter with the Spirit of God, I didn't sign my teaching contract. I packed all my stuff up stuff up, and I put it in storage. And I lived with friends for three months waiting on God to tell me where the next place to go is. And I genuinely believe all the way in my heart that what people see publicly as success is the result of a private yes that I made. And so for me, the transition wasn't going from the classroom to a bigger platform. The transition transition happened three years before that when I said, God, I don't even know where you're taking me, but I trust you. And so that element of trust has been able to guide my decision making, has been able to make things that seem really, really scary. Like you said, like, where's the money going to come from? Do people make money off of worship? How much money is enough money? And all of those things that can really start to damper and hinder the spirit of God working in our lives. I made a commitment to him in private. And so I'm just keeping up my end of the bargain as he's keeping up what it is that he said he would do. And his word has always come back to me sure obedience on a major scale. I feel like yeah. that's, I mean, you are faith-filled, lady, to just quit your job and go stay with friends for three months. I mean, it helps. Scariest thing ever, yo. It and was it, crazy. And it helps <laughs> to not be married and have children at that stage because it means you you don't have any dependence. You can kind of, you can be free like that and make choices like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it definitely does help. And, and my prayer is that whoever God chooses to sort of partner me with in, in my life, that we'll, we'll have to make some faith leaps together too. Yeah. And so my prayer is that each of us individually have had a history of trusting God in our own personal lives, which makes it easier in our partnership to do the same thing. Exactly. Um, obedience, though, I really feel like is a thread throughout already this conversation. And it looks like yeah. your life as well, this, this private yes to God. And I often find that... Um, God calls us to step out and we don't really, we really don't see the next step. We don't see the fruit of you are stepping. It feels like blindly, but you do, you, you do that in obedience before you necessarily see the fruit or the unexpected thing that wouldn't have come if you hadn't said yes to God, said yes to God. And that's not something we do once. That is often something we do repeatedly throughout our lifetime. How do you ensure that you're always in a place where you're being obedient and maybe even uh, when fear creeps in, because doesn't matter how many times you've you've been obedient in the past a new call might fill you with some fear or some doubt how do you respond and how do you keep um stepping out I think honestly, you sort of you sort of hit on it when you were asking the question. Is that we believe that yes is this one time thing, right? So like I said yes on November thirteenth, nineteen ninety seven, and ever since then my life has been been amazing. Um, but the Bible talks really clearly that daily we must take up our cross and follow Him. So yes is not this one time event; it's a daily posture, and practically it's a daily prioritizing of like God, I take Your word over my own feelings, and I have to do that every day. Every morning I say, God, whatever you have for me in this day, let me find it and let me see it clearly. And on the days that I don't, even when everything is going well, it feels like everything is falling apart. And I can tell that because I haven't said, God, here's this day. You can have the next 24 hours, my next waking hours. They belong to you. And I think that daily practice of submission is where sometimes we we get caught up and we can be successful. I mean, I see people on these huge platforms and they still are filled with fear because daily they haven't submitted their self to God. And so I think for me, learning that art of daily private practice has really helped me manage public platform. 
That is good. A daily, yes, a private practice helps you actually manage a public platform. I don't think people think about that. They think about, well, you don't really consider that the public side of ministry or anything else, it actually takes work and it comes from your private space. Yeah. Okay. Well, following on from that a little bit, um, the height of heart journey is really birthed out of the thought in 1 Samuel 16, 7, reminding us that God looks at a person's heart over their stature or position in the world. Mm -hmm. When have you been faced with character defining moments and how have you made mindful decisions to engage with personal growth or who you are as a person? Yeah, I I think honestly, this journey in sort of the public eye, if you will, has really been been character forming for me because by nature, I'm an introvert. So like I can very much be by myself. I energize alone, like I I I re-energize alone. And so for me, this idea of having people having so much access to who I am was really, really uh, scary. And so I start to really consider like, okay, God, do I, we, we talk about transparency all the time. Like, let's, you, need, you need to be transparent. Let people see you. And so, but I do believe that there's a part of that that we have to manage that we can't be too transparent or we can't be not transparent enough. And so I think for me, the journey of having people view and watch as I heal. And that sometimes I've had to heal publicly and I've had to grow publicly and people have had to endure my evolution as a believer. And I think if we're not careful, we will allow that to put shame and it'll it'll take root in our heart. God, I'm not at the place of perfection for you to give me a platform yet. So I'm going to do something else. And I've had those moments, like even along the way, like, hey, God, I'm going to go ahead and let this record thing go. I'm just going to go back to teaching. Like, this is too much pressure. There's too many voices speaking into my life. There's too many eyes on me. And I don't think that I'm perfect yet. And the scripture talks about that we will never achieve perfection. We're always aiming for it, but we don't land on it. And I'm thankful for that because if I ever land on it, then somehow I don't need God anymore. And so I'm thankful that every single day, every single step that I take is really the faith that I have that God is moving my feet. God is directing my path. And I've had to take courage in the fact that, you know, me having to heal or grow or change publicly is really a testament not to how bad I am, but to how good he is. I feel like you've already brought us so much wisdom already over the last 20 something minutes. But I'm going to ask you this. What do you know now that you didn't know 10 years ago, which you would suggest other or younger women be mindful of? What would, what do you think that you have to pass on? Yeah, I think, especially for women, I think sometimes we are so defined by what we do for others. So if you ask a woman, like, who are you? They're like, I'm a mom, I'm a daughter, I'm I'm a worship leader, I'm all of these things. And so we start to place our value in the gifts that we give to other people. And I think what I didn't know 10 years ago is that God does not love worship leaders. He loves people that happen to be worship leaders. God is not enamored or moved by my gifts or anything like that. Those are obedience acts that I offer to him, but he is very much concerned about me, the person. And so what we will often find ourselves doing, and I found myself doing it, trying to work my way into the good graces of the Father. And it's impossible and it's tiring and it's not maintainable and it's not sustainable. We can't do that. We cannot work our way into the love of God that he's already freely given to us. And I don't think I understood that 10 years ago. I thought, man, I got to I gotta do college and, and I also got to make sure I'm doing the gospel choir and then I got to make sure I'm at church on time and make sure that I study these songs because I want God to know how much I love him. 
And I had all, I was already fully loved by God then. And I was already fully known by God then. And if I had stopped singing right then, if I never did a record, I would still be fully loved by God. And so I'm not defined by what I do for others or even the work that I do for him. I'm defined by the fact that he has chosen me and he's called me. And even if I disappoint him, I'm still his. Yes, I love that. I definitely, 10 years ago, didn't have much of a revelation of being overworking. It's working first rather than resting in being. So thank you. That's really helpful. Um, And thank you so much, KCJ, for your time today. The new live album, The Gathering, is available now from Tyska Records and Integrity Music. Before I let you go, let me ask you, what is next for you? You've got an album out, of course, at the start of the year, but what else are you hoping for in 2019 that perhaps we could pray for? Yeah, I mean, the... I, I think at the heart of what I'm really believing and what I'm hearing God saying is that He's entrusted me to be a communicator of His truth. Um, and some of that has to do with music and some of that is other platforms. Um, I tell everyone all the time, I'm no one's preacher by any means. <laughs> but God is also opening doors for me to be able to have conversations like I'm having with you now, this sort of one-on-one on, on larger platforms. And so, you know, different conferences and women's conferences and worship conferences and different settings where I'm able to communicate the things of God. And so honestly, um, if I were asking for prayer for anything is that God continue to entrust me with his his words um, and that I speak only what he says and that I don't feel the pressure of adding more to it or subtracting something from it, that God can trust me to consistently repeat only what it is he's saying. And I think that that's something that I pray for myself daily and I would love for other people to partner with me in that prayer as well. That is a wonderful goal to have and we'll certainly do that. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that is it for another week. Thank you so much for listening. Do make sure you go out and grab a copy of KCJ's brand new record, which is sure to really draw you in, I think, to moments of just worship without boundaries. You can get it from Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to get your music from. Uh, It's called The Gathering. And I'll be back next week with a lot more. If you haven't already checked us out online, make sure you do that and connect with Hyde Apart across Instagram, just, you know, wherever. Head to the website. There's heaps of free articles and stuff on there now for you to enjoy as well. Thanks for your company. I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you.